what an impact you can make by listening to someone mm-hmm. and what they have to say and also how not to take things personally. Um, a lot of the time it has nothing to do with you, the receiver of the message. <laughs> so I, and that it, you have to keep that in mind when you're, when you're, when you're working in business with people Absolutely. and it, you know, transactional things and contractual things, right. Doing paperwork and things like that. You have to remember a lot of it has nothing to do with you personally and you have to be explicit and calm with your responses to people. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Living in the Limelight. I'm your host, Jay Huller. As a quick reminder, please follow us on Instagram at Living in the Limelight Show and check out our website at livinginthelimelight.com. And of course, you can find our podcasts at almost all of the major streaming services. Every week, we feature another conversation with a stage performer where we delve into what makes them tick and hopefully get a little glimpse into some of the behind the scenes action. Today we are visiting with Olympia Papa Giorgio. Olympia is an international singer and recording artist based in Atlanta, Georgia, whose music is a mix of multiple styles, including R&B and international pop. Her newest single, No Titles, will have you dancing through the night. And one super fun fact is that her music can be heard in over 25,000 retail stores around the nation. Let's meet Olympia. It's so great to talk to you and nice to meet you finally after... Um, Seemingly years of um, back and forth on social media, right? Yes. <laughs> so good. <laughs> it's so good to meet you. Yes. Absolutely. Um, so I wanted to start, I always like to start back with um, like the origin story for artists because uh, everyone brings a special something to the stage and some something that, that driv- drove them from the very beginning to get there. And uh, I know you were born in Cyprus. So maybe take us back all the way back to 1994, if you can, <laughs> and just yeah. walk us through kind of uh, where music entered your life and, and, and how it's gone from, from the beginning to sort of where we are now. Yeah, so, um, uh, yes, I was born um, in Cyprus. I was born in Lavnaka, Cyprus, and I grew up in a little town called uh, Ayanapa. And um, growing up, I was surrounded by music uh, because... Well, for one, my father is a, a Greek Orthodox priest, and he was the priest of the town. Uh-huh. And growing up in church, you're surrounded by music. So um, there was, you know, a lot of Byzantine chants and all kinds of, I was just music everywhere. Um, and then my family was musical in their own right. My brother was very musical. My mom sang and played the guitar and chanted. My dad chanted. Um, and then I had, I have family members beyond that also who are musical so music has always kind of existed in my life in different ways but it it always existed um and even even growing up in cyprus uh, my mom is american so i knew the uh american christmas songs you know so uh jingle bells (laughs) was like my number one song that i would sing all the time (laughs) um and i think yeah i think that's like where the origin of music started was like 
it was like church and then I sang Jingle Bells. <laughs> like that was kind of how it started. That's how my, my life in music started um, in Cyprus. And it continued beyond that. I mean, I just never stopped really. So. Yeah, that's amazing because a lot of the artists I talk to, you know, it, it's mom or dad where they were in a band or whatever. But you bring a, a unique perspective with the church because uh, mm. church music in general, if you were to kind of use a big bubble term, it's, it, it's, it encompasses a lot. You know, like you said, the Byzantine chants and you've got chorus and you have organ. And was that like constantly being were you were you going with your father to the church a lot and listening to it there, or were you hearing it on radio? Um, how are you? I, they were singing obviously in the house, and you're going to festivals in in Cyprus. Sort yeah. of, if you could kind of, I'd love to hear hear a little bit about how the how the music itself was entering your ears um, directly. Mm. If you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, that's a great question. Um, so growing up in an Orthodox, a Greek Orthodox. Christian church, um, there wasn't, there wasn't any instruments. There were no instruments. So like no organ, no, no keyboard of any kind. There was no instruments. The voices are the instruments. Just voice. Okay. Yeah. Just voice. So growing up, um, being surrounded by, we call it Byzantine music, mm-hmm. um, very old music. <laughs> um, I wish I could like articulate better exactly what it is, but it's very, very old music, um, and beautiful chanting in in the Greek Orthodox Church um, and it is based in, in Byzantine notation and um, it's it's just voice so my mom would chant a lot and my father would chant a lot and they would practice a lot uh, at home and then because my father is a priest we were in church all the time and the island of Cyprus uh, is an Orthodox country mm-hmm. primarily so you know, like the church sits at the top of the hill of the town, you know, where everyone can see it. Like yes. the very, very old traditions. Yeah. Um, the Orthodox Church is, is incredibly um, old. It's the original faith. So it's the original Christian faith. So it's, it's very, it has a lot of history. <laughs> so Absolutely. we were music and yeah. So music in general was just, we were just totally surrounded by it at all times when it came to um, church music, we could say very simply. And then in addition to that, I think because my mom has a musical talent and my father does too, there was, there was a bit of exposure to other things, more, you know, secular things like Christmas music and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But for the most part, it was like Greek music, church music, and then like maybe some of the kind of very, you know, um, uh, not like mainstream American music, but like literally Christmas mainstream is like my memory goes to Christmas, which is probably why I like singing Christmas music so much. <laughs> you and do I, it. You know, yeah, would, every year. Yes, yes, I do it every single year. So I think maybe, you know, I'm reflecting on it now. Maybe that is why I'm so attached to it emotionally, like <laughs> bonded to Christmas music. Um, is because growing up, I was surrounded by it. And, and at the same time, I am attached to um, the comfort of Byzantine chant and Byzantine music because, and, and I still am surrounded by it now. I mean, we, you know, I'm still active going to church like I go to church as much as I can so I it's still very present in my life um so the music was always with us and we have family members that happen to have talent you know I have an aunt and I have a a great-grandfather on two sides and another grandfather you know like it seems to be around in the family I would say 
which is really very special to be surrounded by music all the time. Um, so yeah, I hope that answered that question. You did. And it, (laughs) and it makes it, I like the, the seamlessness because sometimes when we, we go after something, there might be a spark or whatever. And like, I got to study up and I'm going to do this and that, but you had, you had so much around you that it is almost to me, seemingly like osmosis that you were just, it was just getting into your DNA, um, and, and growing you, even if you hadn't realized it. And now, and like you said, with the Christmas music nowadays, it's sort of coming back out, um, from Mm -hmm. your, from your pores. Um, so keeping us still in Cyprus a little bit, Mm -hmm. um, can you educate us a little bit about how, um, I know it sits in the Mediterranean, it's an island, like you mentioned, um, Mm -hmm. bring us just a little history. So, because I know that you, um, you did a podcast, um, about your father and it was called Stolen Mm -hmm. Homes. I have not listened to it, but I'm going to, (laughs) Um, but I can can imagine, um, if you could encapsulate and, um, and, and, and tell our audience here kind of what that's about and, and. So maybe um, some of the struggles and triumphs that your family has even gone through because um, now yeah. that you're you're blending the American culture and you have your roots and you know, just kind of paint that picture yeah. for us if you could. Yeah. Um, so stolen homes, it is connected to the history of Cyprus. Absolutely. So Cyprus is its own independent um, country. And um, in 1974, there was, uh, an invasion, um, unfortunately, by the Turks in Turkey, um, invaded Cyprus and are even to this day illegally occupying a very large portion of the island. Oh. Um, the population of the island is is not very large. Uh, I would say it is probably the population. The entire island is probably the population of the county I currently live in in America. So, oh, really? Wow. Um, yes, it is a. It is a small island with um, thousands and thousands of years of history, and unfortunately, its location is is a very uh, wanted by other countries. And there's a lot of politics and complications, it's just so so complex that whole topic. But essentially, there was an invasion that happened in 1974. My father was 16 or 17 years old when it happened, and so he remembers it. Um, he remembers it so well. Mm-hmm. And growing up there, we in Ayanapa, growing up, we were close to where the green line is, which is the dividing line um, of the occupied part and okay. the non-occupied part. Yes. So gotcha. it was very present in our life. Um, even while we were there, you know, there were uh, protests. Um, a, a young man that we knew was killed, you know, so so not to take a dark turn, but, but it was, it, is, it was a dark time, and it, and it certainly still can be and is in many ways. So that is home. You know, my heart is there, and mm-hmm. my family is still there, um, and my brother is there, and he just got married. So, But the invasion itself really affected us growing up, being Cypriots, um, Greek Cypriots, and also having an American side to us and just understanding kind of the merging of the two. But because it was instilled in us to remember the invasion. And I mean, I remember going through school and when I was in Cyprus and um, experiencing just the stories that were said by our teachers and seeing photographs that we probably shouldn't have been exposed to when we were that little. Um, But, you know, it it was part of our history and it still is. And if you think about it, 1974 was not that long ago. 
Um, Thank you for so saying it, that. <laughs> yeah, it, it was not. Yes, it was not um, that long ago. Realistically, or you know, at the grand scheme, it's not far away from today's time. So, and it is very presently impacting Cypriots still to this day. So, uh, when when we moved to America, like I was eight or nine years old when we moved to the states, and we were discussing. My father was always very open about discussing the invasion, mm-hmm. which. I give him a lot of credit because it's incredibly traumatizing and I, I cannot imagine, you know, what that was like. I mean, I was there what so many decades after it occurred, right? I was born in 94, but Mm -hmm. just, I mean, how traumatic invasion and, and death and violence and being your home is ripped away from you. I mean, he doesn't have many childhood photos. They thought they were going to return back to their home and then they realized that's not going to happen. Um, and they, they never returned back. We oh. visited. Yeah, we visited. Uh, we, we got permission. That sounds silly to say, but as citizens, we have to get permission to go to the occupied part of Cyprus. Isn't that, you know, interesting anyway. Oh, so goodness. we, we witnessed it, you know, we went a couple of times and wept. I mean, it was very painful for us, but my brother and I wanted to see it firsthand. My father was willing to show us which we appreciated and are, you know, just eternally grateful for that. And then one day it struck me, I was like, there is not a podcast that I know of that discusses this particular topic, which is so present in our life and in so many Cypriot's lives. And even historically with Greeks in general, there's, there's a history there. So I'm like, mm, I, I want to, if I can, you know, advocate and, and share this story in any way, maybe a podcast would be the best way. So I asked my father, I said, would you be comfortable kind of telling your story from the week that you remember, like of the invasion and talking day by day, what you remember to where you are now and how you got to where you are. And he was, he was more than willing to, but I can tell you that was an incredibly difficult podcast to put together. Um, There are, I mean, there are definitely two or three episodes where I'm crying. You can hear me crying because it's very raw. It's just me and my father talking. Yeah. um, In his office. Mm -hmm. And we had one microphone in between us and we're talking about what's happening. And so I was very intentional about it being raw in a conversation between father and daughter and how that can affect the story. And so I, there are definitely two or three episodes where I'm incredibly emotional and even, even when we would be done recording, I'd be like, are you okay? You know, he's like, I'm okay. Like we would kind of, you know, debrief almost like we would discuss, yeah, like unpack yeah. kind of our emotions around it. And I'm so blessed that he's willing to even talk about it because that's a very difficult topic. Um, luckily, none of his immediate family members were killed. Um, even though there was a risk of that, none of them were killed. My aunt, my aunt and my uncles and my grandparents did survive the invasion but goodness did it affect the rest of their lives and affected us as children of refugees. Absolutely. Um, yeah. In Cyprus. So yeah, thank you for bringing that up. It's a, it's definitely an intense podcast, but I think it's an important story to tell. And it's my way of trying to give back to my, to my people and my community and to let people know that these atrocities happen. And um, just to, to really be kind, you just have no idea what people are going through. Um, so that's my message with that story. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a really great point. And 
in, in the sense that what we do and what people know about us is, is, is it belongs to us. But if we don't mm. choose a vehicle to share it, be it write a book, uh, have a podcast, make a song, whatever, then it maybe mm-hmm. doesn't get shared. And it reminds me of my grandfather who, um, he carried a, a tape recorder around with him everywhere. And he just kind oh, of wow. spoke into it. He was a farmer and he was like, and today oh, in the wow. farm, we're going to do this and this and this. And, uh, I was able to kind of listen to the, some of those after he passed and it gave me insight. He even, rec- he interviewed me and at the time mm. I was probably four or five and he's like, and Jay, what do you think about this? And I'd just say what a four <laughs> or five year old would say, but those are like just wonderful little treasures to have. And mm. so I applaud you yeah. for doing that and for digging into your family. I know it was painful, um, mm. but it, you know, something to be though. valued in the end to, you know, to yeah. document the situation. Yeah. Oh my Absolutely. goodness. Absolutely. That's really special that he used to, he used to have a recorder with him and recorded you. How <laughs> awesome is that? Yes. That is the coolest story. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. And that was the other thing too. You will have them forever. Oh, absolutely. Like that's the other thing too. Yeah. So when I was making the podcast, I was like, this will forever live beyond me, you know, and beyond my family. My kids will be able to listen in the future. I don't have kids now, but <laughs> um, God willing, in the future, I was like, my future children will be able to listen to their bapu, you know, their grandfather tell his story. And I was like, wow, how powerful is that? And I just, I never want to lose that. So I think that's so special that you have that also. That's so cool. Yeah. The, the legacy that we can live in uh, to leave to people through various media today mm. is just incredible. I love that the modern, he, he would have loved this because he's kind of what turned me into um, loving technology in general. Obviously he was the oh, only farmer in, in Texas carrying around a tape recorder, I'm sure. <laughs> and, uh, and he would have like eaten up this whole modern uh, society. He would be, he'd have a podcast. I'm almost certain, but anyway. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that. That is so cool. Yeah. That is so cool. <laughs> so it reminds me, I don't know if this is a connection or not, but listening to you um, describe your talking to your dad, um, you are, from what I can tell, a, a terrific communicator. And I think that is somehow connected to your doctoral work. <laughs> so I want to oh. move this, if we can, into what, yeah. what drives you, um, to want to reach people in their minds and, and kind of describe your attraction to your, um, to your doctoral program right now and what the end game will be after that maybe, and kind of where yeah. you are with that. And we'll just jump all the way to present day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's a great question. Thank you for thinking I'm a good communicator. I I'm trying. Um, <laughs> I think in the, I think in the doctoral program, um, studying to be a, a, a psychologist, uh, that is something that we, we have to be trained in. And I try every single day to be a good communicator and to also just be very um, sympathetic and patient uh, with people. But I, I fell in love with psychology when I was in middle school, actually, and I didn't know that's what it was. And I realized um, that I, I, loved, I loved people and I knew that I, people were interesting to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I was very young, I, I had an experience of witnessing a father and a friend of mine that the father was not very kind to her. We'll, we'll put it that way. He just was not kind to her. And I had the exact opposite experience. And I was like, what is mm. happening there? Like, how is that possible that a father can be, you know, cruel to their child? And so that was very hard for me to digest. And um, throughout the years, that was when I was like, three and four. I remember explicitly that oh, wow. I remember it very well. Yes. And then when we moved to America and I went through middle school, 
And I kept telling my parents, like, I'm really interested in people and, and thinking and their thoughts and the way their brain works, whatever. And then I realized that the word was psychology, which is a Greek word, and um, which is psychologia. And I was like, oh, okay, I know that. That makes sense now. Like, I was like, everything clicked for me. <laughs> yeah. So from then on, I would tell my father as a joke, I would say, I'm going to go to school longer than you because he also <laughs> has his PhD. Oh, good luck with that. So, yeah, I know, right? Exactly. I was like, I'm going to go to school longer than you and I'm going to be a doctor too. And I would, tell, <laughs> I would take it as a challenge when I was little. And of course, he loved that because he's like, yes, go yeah. for it. Go do it. You know, go, go to school as long as you can. So in the midst of loving music, I fell in love with psychology at the same time. And I kept them pretty separate. I still keep them separate. We can talk about that as we as we move forward with the conversation. But yeah. when I went to um, high school and then college, I said, "No, I think I think I, I think I want to become a doctor in psychology. I think I want to be a psychologist." Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have been studying. I'm in a doctoral program currently. I'm about a year, year and a half away from being done. So I'm really, really close. Yay! Um, yay. So another doctor, Papa Giorgio, we giggle about that in the house uh, <laughs> all the time. We're very, very blessed. I'm very blessed and very grateful for that. And um, basically my goal is to do a couple of things. I would like to have a private practice, right? I feel like everybody says, I want a private practice. Um, but I would like to have a private practice where I'll offer individual therapy if I can get training in other things like couples therapy or something, I probably would open the door to that too. Um, but like one-on-one uh, therapy. And also I would like to provide um, an Orthodox perspective for Orthodox Christians who do not want to go to a therapist who isn't from the same background, who maybe mm. want more of a faith-based yeah, perspective to um, psychology. So um, like Orthodox psychotherapy essentially. So I would like to provide that. Yeah. For the community so that, you know, you don't feel totally lost. You go to your therapist and you're like, God, they have no idea what the cultural connection is here. And <laughs> it's easier when someone is your same background. So I would like to offer that um, to Orthodox Christians uh, if that's what they're looking for. So that's really like my goal in the future with that. And I would say, you know, people ask me, why, why are you pursuing both? Or like, what is the purpose mm-hmm. of pursuing both music and school? And I think there's a couple of ways I respond to that just thinking about it now. Um, one is no one can take your education away from you. That is true. Right. No one, no one can take that away from you. Um, and you're better off, I think with more education than less education. (laughs) So if I can be a doctor and have that forever, you know, or even a college degree or your master's or a skill set, you know, a certificate in something or a license in something, right. Cause it might not be formal, formal higher education. Um, that's a wonderful thing to have in addition to doing something I love, like music. And music isn't necessarily a money-making machine, like maybe it mm. appears to a lot of people, but a more formal route at least offers stability where I can still pursue the dream of music because music can cost money. So it's kind of a combination of I found I happen to be blessed to find something I actually really care about, yeah. and I'm able to move forward with it in a formal way and then also pursue this really cool passion with music. So, so let me yeah. switch it on you because um, I'm sure I'm not the only one that's asked this, but let's just say your pipe, <laughs> that not that not even a pipe dream because it's not your pipe dream, but let's just say um, you you land it big and, it, and it, everyone mm-hmm. is in into your music and your singles are going off, off the roof and, you know, okay. the music is becoming a super prevalent part of your life, a prevalent mm-hmm. part of your life. Would you put aside, even establish in the private practice of um 
you know, having your office and everything, would you go on tour and, and live that life? Or do mm-hmm. you think the balance of the two, and I was actually thinking um, of how could, you, how could you help artists if artists were coming in and they were just yeah. having trouble in the industry, could you mm-hmm. help them work through in a therapeutic kind of way, um, getting back on their feet or and, and knowing music? Would you blend the two continually forever? Is that the dream? Or mm. is music like, well, if, if it really, if this thing happens, I want to go for it. Where's your, <laughs> where's your head on that right now? Yeah. Um, I think my perspective, that's such a great question. I think my perspective has always been if, if music were to blow up, right? We always say like, yeah, I want to get on, I want to blow up. That seems to be the lingo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, if that were to be the case, I would probably pursue music if I can have a stable life with it, um, with you know stability. Mm-hmm. I probably would go towards music if if that if that could be a thing, right? If that if that was really realistic and could happen, um, and I try to be realistic with myself, not to you know like poo poo the dream, right? Because I'm doing it anyway. Like I'm in the midst of singing and performing and releasing all the time. Yeah, but it doesn't happen but, overnight. <laughs> exactly, it does not happen overnight. So if it were to go somewhere. I would probably lean towards the music. Um, and at the same time, I worked so hard for my doctorate. So if there was a way to balance the two at that point, I would mm-hmm. have to cross that bridge when I get there. And I think, I think like um, helping artists and people in the industry would be an awesome niche to have because I'm, I'm familiar with it. Absolutely. So I think that would be a great place. Yeah, that would be a great place. But again, there are certain you know, you want to avoid multiple relationship things. There's like a code of ethics mm, with psychologists true. too. So there's lots of rules, you know, I'd have to be careful of. And I don't want to do anything that would <laughs> harm anyone or, you know, potentially you have my license taken away when I am licensed in the future. So I would have to seriously think about it and, and cross that bridge when I get there. But I think my gut says, you know, finish your degree, like become the doctor you want to become. And if something happens with music, then that's what was supposed to happen. And you make, you can make the decision to move forward full time with music that no one can take your degree from you. Exactly. You know, so yeah, so I can, you know, I'm kind of back and forth about it, but I think music will never leave me. It is just that thing. I think that when it's in your blood, it just stays there forever and ever. <laughs> it will not go away. So yeah, I, I think, think that's, that's my a, answer. That's a super healthy attitude. And um, you're probably uniquely qualified to answer this, but imagine, um, the tenets of psychology and the things that you're learning and the way the mind works and the music industry with the pressures, with the labels mm-hmm. and with the um, expectations and the relationships there. Are there things that you can draw from your studies, current studies and the things that you've been learning and apply them to the way you manage in the music industry? Is it making you mm-hmm. a better, more informed artist and better able to handle the pressures and some of the difficult challenges that the music industry poses? Wow. What a brilliant question. (laughs) Thank you. No, really, that's such a great question. Um, Yes, I think so. I think, I think going back to that communication piece, um, I, I, I mean, I like to think this about myself Um, and maybe my team could, could correct it if it's wrong, but, Um, I am a super communicator in the sense of like, I will communicate every piece of everything and make very clear my needs and wants and also make very clear my boundaries, Mm -hmm. um, which I think is very hard for artists to do. 
because you want to be on. You know what I mean? You yeah. want to get, right, you want to get to the end of the line, whatever that looks like. What an abstract idea <laughs> that's not tangible. You know, we, we say it all the time and it's like, what does that even mean? Um, so I think to be able to define my goals and my boundaries, my limits, and at the same time, communicate uh, patiently and, and kindly and appropriately with my team. I think a lot of those skills I learned through school. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of those skills I learned from also just my family. I'm very blessed with a, very, a nice family. Um, but I think a lot of those things I've been, I've been able to refine by conducting therapy, like doing, I have a client caseload currently. Okay. So, yeah. So I am in clinicals, you know, I, I have practicum sites that I go to and I have clients and um, I work with them in training under a supervisor, a licensed supervisor, because they know better than me. Um, so <laughs> I need support. Um, but yeah, they currently know a lot more than I do. So, um, but yeah, so I do learn a lot through those sessions about what people are dealing with without you knowing what an impact you can make by listening to someone mm-hmm. and what they have to say and also how not to take things personally. Um, a lot of the time it has nothing to do with you, the receiver of the message. <laughs> so I, and that it, you have to keep that in mind when you're, when you're, when you're working in business with people Absolutely. and it, you know, transactional things and contractual things, right. Doing paperwork and things like that. You have to remember a lot of it has nothing to do with you personally and you have to be explicit and calm with your responses to people. Now I am no perfect human. I am a human. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not perfect, but I can absolutely say that learning therapeutic technique or like just understanding communication in general has been very helpful with communicating with others in the industry and also has given me insight on how to be careful how to be, who to be cautious of, mm-hmm. um, you know, to really listen to myself, like to trust myself with my intuition and be like, okay, this is a little, I'm not feeling too great about this particular <laughs> opportunity, yeah, you know what I mean? Or back, whatever. Right. Yeah. Take a step back and be analytical, which I think school has offered, right. Is mm-hmm. to be able to analyze, play devil's advocate, be very critical, have critical thinking about what this, what's happening and then be able to make the next step. I think school has refined a lot of that. And I'm still, I'm still in a process of, of learning that. Um, and again, respecting the boundaries of what it is to be a therapist or a psychologist and not trying to blur the, the lines. You want to be careful, you know, Absolutely. with yeah. how that happens. Yeah. To be ethical and, you know, good. <laughs> not doing anything wrong. I love that one point. And uh, I can see it's applicable um, today more so than way in the past with, with social media and just, not mm. letting it land personally with you and just kind of looking at it and then looking at it from different perspectives and maybe perhaps considering that it is coming from them and not mm. directed at you, even though, because oh, the, the convenience mm-hmm. of lack of a better word of the, be, the ability to go in there on a, on a post um, through social media and say, Oh, I didn't like this at all. And they're just kind of right. venting um, that mm-hmm. for the, for the green artist, for the artist who doesn't take the time to, you know, not let that cause damage initially <laughs> and to kind of yeah. step back from it. Like you said, take a step back. That is great counsel because it's very easy for anything we foresee as critical towards us for us to latch onto it and make it part of us. But if we can uh, make a one yeah. line of separation, um, I think that's brilliant advice. 
Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, I think it's important. And I think if you're a public figure of any kind, uh, especially as a musician mm-hmm. where it's art <laughs> and art is subjective. I mean, Absolutely. anyone can think about your art in any way. Um, I, I mean, I and many others have gotten criticism, all kinds of weird stuff <laughs> comes about, you know, towards us and can those comments sting and whatnot. Yes. And then I remember like, wait a minute. I mean, for someone to take the time to open their app, to find my profile, to like, for someone to take the time to do that says a lot more about that person than it says anything about me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why it's important. At the end of the day, you have to go to sleep with yourself. Right. You know what I mean? You have to be, you have to be happy with your decisions. So as long as you feel comforted by your own decisions and you have a support system that can back you up and, and is there also as a shield, like you will be okay. Mm-hmm. You know, but if you're, if your life is to please, every other person that comes along because you don't want hate, that's never going to work because someone's going to criticize something, you know, (laughs) someone's going to say something. Yeah. That's just, that's people, that's humanity. And and then that's okay. You just have to know how to step away from it. Easier said than done, but possible. Yeah. And I love what you said about um, just, and you mentioned your team a couple of times surrounding yourself by, with people that really support you. And that was kind of leading me to the next question of, of balance. Mm -hmm. I always like to ask my artists who, seemingly have so much on their plates. How does, how does it all get done? Um, and for you, for you, you've got a full-time course load. You've got, um, mm-hmm. you've got, um, people you're talking to and, and helping and you've got music. Um, mm-hmm. you're doing interviews for upcoming things. You have podcasts. <laughs> so <laughs> what, what's your approach to all that? Is it, um, just good time management? Is it prioritization? Prioritization? What's your, kind of your approach to balance and making it all work? Yeah, I think, um, I think both knowing what to prioritize, when to prioritize and managing my time to do so. Mm. So I have, I have two things that I use. I have a, I have a calendar on my laptop. I guess like any Mac user has a calendar on their laptop mm-hmm. um, that I, that I use and I plug everything in. So even when we scheduled this, I was like, okay, this is on Friday at this day. <laughs> like, I put it in there. It has an alert, you know, for an hour or two before to let me know mm-hmm. when I need to join um, to alert me. And the same thing for school, except for school, I have an additional thing. I have an agenda. And I think I started using an agenda when I was like in elementary or middle school. I think it was implemented by the school and I mm-hmm. never stopped using one. Um, so kudos to the system for that. Because <laughs> that worked. So that worked. Um, that was something that worked. So um, I write down each week what is due, what I need to do, what I need to read, what I need to finish per week when I'm in school. Nice. The clinical hours are handled offsite at a different place. Um, my, my niche is like young adults. I work with young adults at a university setting. Those, those are my people. I love them. So I, I love to work with them. Nice. And um, uh, you know, that seems to me, it's like it has its own little compartment. It's like compartmentalizing in a hopefully healthy way. So like they, they have like their own section. It's like, okay, I go to this place for that. And I handle all of that at that place, you know, so the two days out of the week is dedicated to that. Um, you know, the other days I have class and then I have a schedule kind of when I finish things and then music happens in between, if not at nighttime. Mm-hmm. So if I, you know, like we have a treadmill here, like I'll walk the treadmill for an hour or two, which I know sounds ridiculous, but I don't notice it. And I have my laptop up there and I'll do work. I'll do marketing, promotional things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also have, I've had a team that's been really helpful, um, in the last few years, um, that I, 
you know, share notes with. So we have like a notepad on digitally that I share with them and there are notes there and they get, they get an update every single time something happens. So if a song is placed somewhere, if I'm submitting something, if I'm contacting radio stations or DJs or whatever, they get an alert that says, Hey, this and this happened this week. I expect this and this to be done by the end of the week. Please let me know if you're able to accomplish it because oh, super smart. Um, yeah, well, I'm trying to, you know, you you want to make sure that you're you're offering people the opportunity to show where they can shine too within your team and not taking everything on yourself all the time, which I'm super guilty of. Um, <laughs> so I I try consciously to be like, okay, here I need you to do this and I need you to do this. And they're, they're, they've been really awesome um, for the last few years and kind of doing that for me. So the more, I would say like the more administrative stuff like merch and things like that, I kind of will give to someone else to do and will help them through the process of completing that assignment mm-hmm. so that we can move forward. <laughs> because if I have an assignment due, like an actual school assignment or like, you know, I, I need, I have a two or three interviews scheduled in one day, I need to make sure that my team can take on the things I cannot do the day that I usually would. So, and they're, they're really good about it. Yeah. So, so far it's been, been good to like separate and give people what they can do, what they think they can handle and not just me alone. And it is, I'm finding through these podcasts, it's hard to do that. It's hard to release almost anything from us. Um, I can't speak as an us, I'm not an artist per se, but the artists are always telling me, yeah, when I design, you know, this, or I'm working on a shirt or whatever, it's hard to relinquish that. But for your own mm. sanity, for your own mental health yeah. <laughs> and, and, and the physical minutes in the, in the day, you, you mm. have to, because, yeah. you know, fans, I'll speak from a fan perspective, you know, we could spend an hour, two hours easy going through social media, just absorbing stuff from you guys, right. From the producers, mm. from, from the, from mm-hmm. the artists. And, so I can only imagine from the other side when you're putting that content out and it can be, it can be overwhelming unless you delegate, ask, beg, borrow, steal, <laughs> um, and right. share, like you said. Um, so I, I love that team approach. I love that notes idea. It, I imagine it, it kind of saves from having like emails or texts back and forth as much because mm-hmm. it's just kind of an instant thing when, when it's changed, people get notified. So And they can, yeah, and they can refer to it. So like it's easier to have like a notes page on your Mac computer if everyone has Apple devices where they can quickly refer to an update Um, and they can also see what's on the list under each person's name of what's expected to be done in the next week or two. That's very, very helpful, super beneficial. And it keeps things in line too. Like I think artists, if there are artists ever listening, please make a separate notes page for yourself that has all of your catalog, like everything you've ever done with a link attached, the year with it, and what it was. So if you did five interviews in 2022, you know, you should have a link for each thing. So I have I have a music catalog with every single link, basically, that exists that I know of that's connected to my music. Mm-hmm. And then I have a separate one for my team where it's just assignments, like of what we need to do for the upcoming year, the expectations of the year. So Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. I love the organization. I can <laughs> actually visualize it. So um, you described it very well. Oh, good. Good, good, good. It's Let's, very helpful. Very helpful. <laughs> I want to jump into the music now because um, we have gotten way into your life, which is amazing. And um, a lot of people I know are 
going to be drawn to this podcast because of your, of your music. So let's let's talk about Salude uh, a little bit. Yes. It's your um, it's your hit right now. It's yeah. twenty four thousand Spotify streams, and I wanted to just compliment you. A lot of artists that I um, follow, they they'll do an appreciation post every once in a while. Thank you guys for listening. But you are you're really good about that. And you're like, oh. for, you know, for the forty two people listening in 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 wherever right now, I just it's amazing. That's one of the original mm-hmm. things I got sort of connected with you was you're a, you seem to be oh. a genuine person and you are so appreciative for people just taking the time, like you said, taking the time, even though that person we mentioned who won't go mentioned, but you know, someone looking through the yeah. profile and taking that time, it's, it's a, it's an effort. Right. And so mm-hmm. I love the way that you give back in that respect. Um, so maybe talk about that song. Um, where where yeah. it came from the idea the recording process a little bit anything you want to say about it yeah well first of all thank you very much sure. um it's funny i'm always telling uh, my close circle i'm like do people really know that i care about it like i really care <laughs> like i really people really know. care i mean i hope so goodness i hope it comes through so that that's a relief that it does because i'm immensely appreciative i mean you have to you have to think about it in the sense of you took the time to go listen to a song I produced. Like it's just, it's not a necessity for you to do so. So for me, it's, I'm very grateful. Um, well, Salud, I, <laughs> Salud is, I swear one of my favorite songs, I would say Salud and then the other song that we could talk about later, which I love, but Salud was very unique because my producer was with me in the car and we were kind of running around doing errands, whatever, just talking about what our plans are. And he was like, I have a song to show you. Um, but I, I really don't think you're going to like it. And I was like, whatever, just show it to me. You have no idea, you know, how I'm going to react. Right. So he, he showed me the track. Like he played the track in the car and I, I lost it. I was like, what is this? Like, <laughs> I need this song. I have to sing on it. We must record now. Like immediately jumped in. So they, um, my team was like, okay, we'll book a session. We booked a session at a different place that I don't usually record at with an engineer who's wonderful. It just wasn't my normal engineer. Mm-hmm. And, um, I ended up, not that it was anyone's fault, but uh, I'll explain it. I ended up hating the way I sounded on the actual original recording of Salud. Mm. And I, I I hated it. I was like, this does not sound right. My voice doesn't sound good here. I was like, I started questioning even continuing music. It what? was such a big, yes, oh it was my. such a big hit to me. I know. I really hated how I sounded. And I sat with my team. Of course, I'm crying. This is like a week after it was recorded. I'm sitting with my team and I was like, should I stop music? Am I even deserving to share my voice? Like, do I even have a gift? And they were like, what are you talking about? They're like, Olympia was one bad recording. Like, let's figure out what was wrong. Well, through working on it, it turned out that the song was just in the wrong key. Mm -hmm. And I did not realize that at the time. I learned so much about my voice that year. That year was 2019. I learned a lot about my voice that year. And I was like, wait a minute. I can change the key of the record. So I, I grabbed the song and I, I changed it to the key that worked for my voice. Nice. And thus Salud was born, you know, the <laughs> new one that everyone here heard. And it was such a defeating time and I felt so deflated. And once I fixed it, I was re-energized. It was amazing. I was re-energized mm-hmm. all of a sudden. It was like this jolt of energy. And my team was like, all right, let's record it at the studio you like with your engineer that you're comfortable with because we're not taking another chance. <laughs> <Is it> okay. <laughs> So we went to the studio I like with the engineer I like, and we recorded with him and it was, it was magic. I mean, it would, it just worked. I remember feeling such relief that day of like, okay, you're not horrible. Like (laughs) you're okay. You can do this. So 
so I know it was so it was so ridiculous, but I learned so much. And when after we recorded it, we actually had trouble mixing it um, and mastering it, which was its own mess. So the song almost didn't get out because of that hiccup. Oh. I mean, we had hiccups everywhere we went with Salute. So finally, I, you know, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, Lord, we've gone through so much with this song. Like, there's, I know there's going to be a little reward at the end of this. You know, like, I know something's going to come out from this. So we released it and ended up being my biggest song. Mm-hmm. And it was placed, um, it is currently playing in over 20,000 locations around the nation um, in different retail stores, like, you know, Subway and all kinds of different places. Um, so it, it really did do well and is, it continues to do well. I, I've been very blessed that people are listening to it so much and I love it and I'm very proud of it and I've been able to perform it a few times. And yeah, that song is such a, such a, <laughs> such an adventure for me musically. I learned so much through that song, through producing that song. And sometimes the things that hurt, hurt the most are, are in the end, the, the greatest reward. So I think yeah. since that one had some pitfalls, yeah, you were, you were due, you were due something. Um, the yeah, process, I was like, okay, something's got to come. <laughs> the, to get that into the stores, um, is that something that just sort of evolved and, and some retailers came to your team and they're like, well, I want to put this on our, you know, our, you know, for the customers to hear, or is that something that you had, your group had to kind of actively pursue because I'm sure other artists listening to this are going to go, whoa, <laughs> can I get yeah. my song in a store too? And I don't yes. know if there's a magic, you know, sauce involved or do you, what yeah. do you know about that? What, how, how did it happen? Um, in this case, it was absolutely pursued. Um, I have an artist friend who connected me with a company she knows mm-hmm. who is basically the liaison between you and the store. Okay. Um, and they, they're wonderful, very genuine. Um, they feel, they feel like a family owned company, to be honest, but they're, they're a wonderful business and they heard the song. Like, you know, I, I pitched it to them. They have to like the song. So like, it's not just like a, it, you don't, right, it's yeah. not just, Oh, here. Yeah. Like <laughs> they do have to like the song. Process, yeah. Yes. There is a formal audition process. So I sent it to them. They spent a week kind of reviewing and then they came back and said, Hey, we really, really love the song. We think it would do well in the market. Um, um, so we're going to place it. Um, so it went, it went through that company. I mean, if anybody, if any artist hears that and would like to talk to me, they can, like I will, I'm, I'm very forthcoming about how I get to certain places. I'm not, I'm not going to gatekeep information. Ew. No one likes that. So like anyone, anyone who was, yes. Anyone who is listening to this and is like, let me hit up Olympia. How did that happen? Like you can absolutely message me. I'll tell you, I'll send you to the direction of the company. Yeah. Um, so, and that's the thing you have to know people who know people. And that's what the music industry is, a lot of networking. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they, this friend connected me with them and said, hey, they're legitimate, they're genuine, they have to like the song, you know, it's not just you pay something and it go- like they have to really think it will do well and they will forever be genuine with you about where it is and how it's being played. So, you know, and so I trusted her opinion and, yeah. and now I trust them. Yeah. Perfect. So, um, yeah. That, that is mm-hmm. so cool. Um, <laughs> all right. I've got a question here that I haven't asked, um, in a long time. So let's okay. look at, um, six year old Olympia and tell her what things you might do differently along the way to maybe push you further than you are today. Lessons that you have yeah. gained along the way, just kind of try to re-educate yourself so that if there's a 
six or ten year old Olympia out there, uh, maybe some nuggets of um, of cool wisdom might come along. And this would be you can only speak personally from your your situations, but maybe something yeah. will apply for somebody. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> that's a, a great question. And you One can pick trying not to cry. You thinking want. A little... Six was kind of <laughs> random, but whatever. You're younger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that's a wonderful question. Trying to think, um, what would I say to myself? Goodness. Uh, I think I would be, this is interesting. I don't, I don't, I don't think I would necessarily give myself any other tips. That sounds weird. Not that I knew everything at seven or six, but, um, I think the journey I went through was really quite smooth compared to other people's journeys in music. And I do not take that for granted. So you, um, you there would fall were, back on the things such as that you, the ones you've mentioned, like make sure you have a supportive network, you know, family that supports yes. you to yes. careful who um, you trust, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I think because I happen to be very close to my family, before I did anything, I asked permission. I know I mm. sound like such a goody two-shoes, but I did. So when I was offered to first record, um, I was, I was asked permission or I asked permission. I'm sorry to go. Yeah. I, I would not, I would not go just anywhere. Um, there were, when I first was experimenting with recording, I was 17. My mother came with me. Mm-hmm. Like I, I asked her, Hey, you know, these guys from school are doing this. And of course they happen to be boys. It's, it's kind of a, a boy domination industry yeah, yeah, or yeah. a men, you know? So I wasn't going to go at 17 alone somewhere. Um, so I asked permission, you know, are you okay with this? And she said, let me just come and sit with you. Like I'll sit, you know, wherever they can put me. And then when you're done, I'll take you home. My mom was available for that. Right. I was, I was very blessed. Yeah. To have that. So of course there were times where I was like, "Mm, I could go back. I probably wouldn't have gone to that studio or I wouldn't have talked to that person because I think some of it may have wasted some of my time. Mm -hmm. But like, I think I was very protected. And I think my journey through music has been quite smooth compared to other artists' journeys, um, which has its pros and cons. Through struggle, there is triumph, and through that, there is storytelling, you know? So mm-hmm. there are stories that I have that maybe are not going to be as intense as someone who maybe was outside, you know, alone trying to figure out how they were going to record their next song or something. Um, but I think I was protected. I think what I would say to myself, though, is to be nicer to myself. Oh. That's what I would say. Like be kinder to yourself through this experience and just do it. Like make sure you keep the same people around that you trust. Um, if something feels weird, go away, like run away. <laughs> you know danger. what I mean? Like, literally, especially in the industry as a woman, if anything yeah. feels unsettling and you're like, you want to prove yourself, it is not worth your safety. You know, it's just not. So like, go away. You know, if you feel strange about something or you're like, this is, this is not, this is suspicious. Like just evacuate, you mm-hmm. know, at the end, your safety is number one. So I would tell myself to be kinder to myself about things. Um, but other than that, I think that the journey has been, even with its struggles, it's been, it's been a good thing for me. It's been something I I've learned so much from. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. And I, I think, you were kind of, you were destined um, with all the music in your life to, uh, to at least pursue in one way, shape or form, 
music as part of mm-hmm. your life. And uh, so that yeah. part was kind of like taken care of, whereas, you know, someone who ha- doesn't have music in their life and then later when they're 16, mm-hmm. 17, just like a, a gymnast who doesn't do <laughs> gymnastics starting at age four or whatever, it's hard to pick up, right? Um, yes, but, yeah. So passion mm-hmm. can bring you a certain way, but that, that the grounding in it from your family and from your from your mm-hmm. heritage, and, and I think that's irreplaceable. So yeah, um, very can't, very. Can't go good. back and redo that because we are who we are. So that's that's amazing. yeah, exactly. I think that's why I have trouble with the. I'm like, yeah. wow, yeah, I turned out how I am because <laughs> of all that stuff. Like it's kind of hard to be like, I would do this, you know. Um, but I think I think definitely be nicer to yourself and and be explicit about your boundaries of what you're willing to do in the industry and what you're not. Industry is a weird place. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Um, yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. we want to talk gear for just a little bit. Is there um, mm-hmm. any certain, a certain microphone you like to use, certain um, keyboard, piano, uh, writing notebooks that you use to write songs or anything? Like mm. I noticed you mentioned your agenda for staying organized. Are there, do you have some <laughs> go-to things? I mean, you've got a Mac, Anything that mm-hmm. like calls out as, um, you know, this has really helped me develop my music career and helped me develop as a person. Yeah. One thing that I have learned so far, um, goodness, if I could change anything would be to get equipment earlier. Mm. Um, <laughs> that is something actually I would change the thing about it now. I, as a, as a 28 year old singer, I never owned any equipment until this year. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, I know I would perform with whatever was available to me. Um, and it had to be available in house, like in house as in wherever the performance venue was. So if it was a, if it was a performance at a, at a Greek event, it had to be their system. If it was a performance at a bar or a stage or something, it had to be their, their equipment. And I would depend on their equipment. And I found that that is so not the move as a singer. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That is so not the move. And I have to say, even through that, I have, you know, things have been pretty smooth, but goodness, have I had some interesting experience where I'm like, I'm never doing this like this again. And last year, that was my lesson was during my Christmas show last year. Um, we had a, a very difficult time with our sound system because it was not my personal sound system. We hired someone, they canceled on us three hours before the show. Oh, no. That was horrible. Uh, um, and my manager at the time found another system. God bless her. She found another system. She hooked it up, a system we had never used before. In the middle of the show, they got shot, basically. Oh. <laughs> and then, but it's, I mean, I played it off, you know, it was funny. The audience was so sweet because it was a Christmas show. Yeah. And they were so sweet. And, and I was like joking and making, you know, all kinds of silly things with them while the music was like not functioning through the speakers. Anyway, we figured it out and we fixed it. But after that experience, I said, enough is enough. Olympia, you need your own system. You cannot do this anymore. Um, and for Christmas, my family invested in uh, for a sounds that yeah my wonderful wonderful parents invested for me um and they let me choose the equipment I consulted with my aunt who's a professional singer performer she does it full-time and I consulted with her and she gave me every link I needed I ordered everything I could possibly order um so I would say one thing that's been really helpful is uh, a mic Mm -hmm. even if I can't bring a speaker with me is bring my mic the venue um, if possible, like I'll usually talk to the person that's there and be like, Hey, I have a, I think it's called a sure or a sure, a sure. sure mic. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, that is the, it is the greatest mic. Like it's wonderful. I have no issues with it. You could 
I mean, not that I recommend this, but like if it gets dents in it from running around, like it's fine. It's a great, it's a great mic. Um, and there are I, a couple of sure microphones first. that are like known as a standard of the industry. And uh, you're yeah. right. No, I, I, I don't know this for certain, but I don't know if you've seen these old videos with the, the who, um, and the swinging mm. of the microphone <laughs> around and around and around. Yes. I'm pretty sure yes. that's a sure microphone because they, I have seen is. them completely crushed and they're still sounding wonderful. And they still sound yeah. amazing. It's incre- It's an incredible mic. Now, I don't recommend swinging your mic around. No, 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 no. Let's um, not recommend that. For <laughs> <laughs> no, don't do that. No one do that. Um, but I will bring that mic with me to performance venues. Um, the other thing that I found great, which they're not making much of anymore, though, is an alto speaker. So I do, I do have an alto speaker um, and I have a mixing board and I, I have learned the last year, basically 2022 was a lot of learning um, of how to connect the mixing board into the mic, into the speaker, how, I mean, I was mixing my music live during the Christmas show because each song had its own bass and treble, you know, uh-huh. its own demands of what, yeah. So while I'm singing, I'm sitting there mixing on my left, <laughs> trying to make sure everything's okay. So I would definitely say get your own mic. It, that was my first investment was a mic. Um, well, so I would, I would get a mic. Makes total sense because the magic that comes from you is from your voice. So there we go. <laughs> what, 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 that's their initial point. Um, and I just, I know, of course, with guitars, you have different tones and different sounds from the mm-hmm. manufacturers, but I can imagine uh, microphones are similar. And uh, if you can sort of find the one that, that captures what you should sound as you the best yeah. possible, then that's, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was a, it's a great mic. Yeah, some mics pick up more of the higher parts of your voice than mm-hmm. the lower bass of your voice. And I think the short mic for me is a perfect balance for what I need for my for my voice. So it's a great mic. Very yeah. cool. We will put a link mm-hmm. in the description for anyone interested. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's so funny. Yes. Um, all right. So we hadn't talked about no titles yet, but I think that's probably the oh, other yeah. song that you wanted to talk about and I wanted to talk about. So yes. lay it out there. What was no titles all about in the terms yeah. of its origin and, and how it's done for you and, and how you feel about it? Yeah. No titles. Um, hilariously, did not have a title, <laughs> wow. um, which is why it is called No Titles <laughs> um, and happened to work for the message of the song. That's when you know, like the universe is working in your favors when all of that comes together, yeah. um, which was so funny. Yeah, it was. I, I heard the song, actually, the actual track, and each artist has their own process of, of creating music. I listened to the track first. And if the track does not speak to me, I don't want to sing it. And I'm very clear <laughs> about it. My team is like, really, you don't like us? I'm like, no, I don't like it. I'm very clear about what I like and what I don't like. Um, so I heard the track through a, a beat maker that we met while I was actually shooting a music video back in 2019. Mm-hmm. And uh, my manager at the time had sent me the track. And I was like, oh, this is a great track. And it I was like, we should, we should get it. But then we didn't for like two years. And finally 2021 came around. I said, Hey, can we, can we message that guy again and see if it's available? You know, because purchasing beats and getting rights and things, that is a tricky business and you have to, you have to know what you're doing. So I was like, it might not be available or maybe he's already leased it to someone, which is problematic. So mm-hmm. we went through a whole process of, of acquiring that, that beat and we got it. And I was very, very excited. 
and we started to, to work on it. And it was the first song that I really started to properly write on. I usually I co-write with my producer. Mm-hmm. And for this particular song, while driving back and forth from class to home, which is about a 45 minute to an hour and 15 drive. Oh. Um, yes, because it's, it's not close to me. So I would drive, I would drive to class, come back, drive to class, and I would listen to the beat over and over and over again. And I was like, what? I'm going to let just what comes to me, come to me and, and sing it out loud. Mm. And all of a sudden that melody, you know, da, 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 that just came to me. You know, I was like, huh. <laughs> it's a very simple kind of melody, but I was like, hmm. Okay, so I'm hearing this melody naturally through what's there on the beat. I was like, okay, you know, what, what are the words that are going to come to me? And all of a sudden, this very empowering feeling showed up really? about kind of finding your way. It can work. It doesn't matter if you're a woman or a man. It just, it just kind of comes to you um, as in, you know, I, I got my crew with me. Like, I got my girls with me. Mm-hmm. I don't need you. You know, that, that's what the song says. So it's yeah. like, yeah, it I don't does. need you. I yeah, I have my crew. I don't need you. You know, I'm good kind of on my own and I'm going to take ownership of what's happening here. And the message for that song is supposed to be not necessarily about a boyfriend or a girlfriend. I wrote it that way mm-hmm. um, because I think that's what naturally came to me. Who, Like if you've been in any relationship, then you, you know, you know, the trials and tribulations of relationships. So sure. I think it naturally came to me that way. But it's but, more universal than that. But it's so much more universal than that. Yeah, for me, it was any negative behavior or toxic thing that you do or hurtful thing that you ingest or consume or whatever that you're surrounding yourself with, you really can remove it. And you you can do it. You know, you can remove that thing, whatever that thing is to you. It doesn't have to be a man or a woman or whatever. It can be anything. So that is the message behind that song. And I felt very good and empowered about making it. And then I, I consulted with my producer and he and I, again, in the car, everything is made in the car, by the way, like we make all <laughs> our music shower. is in the car. I mean, it's so hilarious. It's like everything is made and like we sit there and we're like, listen to this beat because it's the best place to listen to music. <laughs> so a lot of our creations are in the car. That's great. Um, so yeah. So he was sitting with me and I said, I need an outro. And he helped me with that outro. Um, mm-hmm. So credit, credit to him for that outro. And then I said, you know, the song doesn't have any titles. And he was like, it doesn't need a title. And I was like, what, what do you mean? Well, and he how was are like, we going to list it? <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, how, like, yeah. How, how will people know it? He's like, no title. And I was like, are you, ser- are you serious? And he was like, yes. <laughs> and I was like, what? And like, <laughs> that's how the title came about for no title. Cause I didn't have a title, um, which is so hilarious. That's so hilarious. anyway, yeah. So we went and we recorded it. Uh, again, favorite engineer, favorite studio. We never made that mistake again. Um, so after Chalud, we kept going to the same guy. So we finished the the record. I released it in November of 2021, and I've been pushing it ever since. And we're we're at, you know at the about to hit 2023, and that is how I I market my music. I usually promote it for a year solid, and then I kind of just never stop. Um, but I do promote it for a year solid, you know, as the priority of my uh, catalog of music. So finally 2022 showed up and we started thinking about a music video for it mm-hmm. and that was the first time i had ever done choreographed dance turned um, out really really well by the way thank you so much thank you uh, a lot of work went into it we had about 20 people on set and we it was a it was a 10 to 12 hour shoot day um 
started, you know, eight or nine in the morning, which isn't like the crack of dawn, but for me it is. Um, and we started shooting at one or two after makeup and outfits and double checking everything. And, and we finished eight or 9 PM. I went and had dinner and I got home at like 3 AM the next day. Oh. So it was, it was quite a long, a long shoot day. My friends, my actual crew that I talk about was actually in the video. Um, oh, my, neat. my, yes, my real friend, like my actual crew, I got my crew, they were there and so they were in the moment. Yes, it was a truly awesome. They were not hired. I was actually <laughs> asked that by people. They were like, did you hire those girls? I'm like, no, guys, I have friends. Um, so <laughs> absolutely. They, I absolutely have friends. Um, and they were more than willing to come and join. So they got all dressed up and were, and were willing to stand there with me and dance and sing. Uh, we hired dancers for the actual choreographed parts and made a story. We, you know, we hired a, a male lead who was awesome. So sweet. Um, and so it was just, it was just an amazing experience. And in the midst of doing all of that, I was three days at clinical, two days at school. Oh my goodness. Um, while doing all of that. So it, <laughs> it was quite a time, I have to say, where I, I absolutely give myself some credit for that time. It was tough and we did it and I loved it. And I don't regret anything that happened during that. It was amazing. That was an amazing time to have, um, just to be around a creative director, a choreographer, um, a videographer who was also a creative director, have 15 people on set to actually be pieces that were part of the, I mean, it was just unbelievable. Do you so, ever step back from that kind of moment? And, and like, if you're just, if take, we're taking five or whatever, and people are doing their thing and you kind of just like, okay, <laughs> there, yeah. there are 14, 15 <laughs> people here kind of invested in, in something that started it with nothing at the drawing table and it's a song. Yeah. Is it an, yeah. a humbling moment? Oh God. Oh my God. Yes. Um, I absolutely. I mean, when we went, I don't know if anybody knows this, so this will be like exclusive for this podcast. Ooh. Um, woo, um, you hear it first uh, here. I, I don't think I ever said it anywhere else, but after we shot the music video, when we went to dinner and by the way, the whole team came with me. Wonderful. It was like, it was like 12 people out of the 20 who came with me to have dinner. Nice. Um, so somewhere in Atlanta and I'm sitting there and I, I was telling them thank you and I just burst into tears because I could not, I was like so unbelievably humbled. I was like the fact that you guys even showed up, like (laughs) you, you don't have to be here. You know, I was just like crying. My friend stood up and came on the other side, gave me hugs. Like you don't have to cry. I mean, just weeping basically with joy. I was just one. I, I was relieved that we did it. Um, and then two, I was humbled that anyone would bother to come up to, and, and do anything. I mean, it was, <laughs> I'm just very appreciative. I mean, beyond from the bottom of my heart. I mean, even my parents, my mother stayed up with me the night before we shot that music video until 2.30 in the morning hemming my clothes oh my for the music video. Like, my father, like, I gave him a whole fashion show. I was like, here's the first outfit. Here's the second. <laughs> like, you know, just so he would be aware of what was happening, you know, and I wanted to include them and I wanted to make sure, you know, I, I also was representing them in a way that they felt okay. And of mm-hmm. course my dad is like, okay, you know, you could be a little more you know, like covered or whatever. Like, <laughs> know. you know, a father's always, you know, a father's always going to have a, a response, but, but I'm also at an age where he was like, just be, just be respectful, you know, whatever you do. And I'm like, okay, okay. Um, but yeah, they were, they were included in that process with me because I want them to be there. And so I was just eternal. I am in forever grateful to each one of those people and those same people not all of them because they couldn't make it 
but a lot of them came the night that it released. We had a release party in my home where I hosted them. Yes. And they came to the release party and they, they watched it with me and were there every step of the way. I mean, it was just, it's such an unbelievable experience. I still look at that time, which you could probably hear in the enthusiasm of my voice. I can definitely hear Um, Yes. I still look back at that time and go, wow, God bless those people, you know, for spending, because the, the rehearsals for the choreography in and of itself, they were 12 hours total, not in one day, but in one month, these, these kids, they're not kids or adults, but these kids came for three or four hours at a time and rehearsed with me Mm. when they didn't need to, you know, they didn't have to, like, I mean, you can't say anything but thank you and just bow your head to them that they that they spent the time to do that and and be honored that someone would do that. It was just it was amazing. It was amazing. It yeah. is it is truly amazing to see the human spirit in action and the sense of giving mm-hmm. that that some people carry with them. And I, I'll share this yeah. with you. Um, through Georgia has talent. A lot. I follow a lot of performers and I, 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 I don't carry a good ratio. I've got as many followers as I do people I follow, but just to keep an eye on things. And I remember this. I remember catching a post of yours and it was about your Christmas show and it was several years ago. And okay. we were between songs and you did that very same thing. You were thanking your audience and I, it gave me such pause. Oh. I was like, look at this. This is somebody who does music for their you know, for their living, basically. I didn't know anything about your studies at that time. I was like, wow, she's stopping it. She's genuine. I could just feel it. I could see it. (laughs) And you, you exude that gratitude. Um, and I, I'll thank your family for, for helping you have that in the church and whatever drives you from inside. But, um, I can't imagine that ever being separated from you, but it's a, it's a unique thing that not everyone carries. And so whenever uh, moments come up like that, I just, I love that seeing that about you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. And yes, I, I try to take the moment if I can. Well, one, cause it, it really means something to me in the moment, yeah, um, but I do. Yeah. I really try to take the moment and, and tell people like, thank you um, for being there. And I try to make an effort. Even this, this last show too, I was talking to my, with my parents and I was like, I was like, I don't know if I, did I say thank you to everybody? Like I try to go individually if I can, Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as, as an artist, it's important to thank the people who spent money on, I mean, my goodness, they go to work every day and they have to worry about their bills and they spent money to come and see you sing. like, what, <laughs> what? I mean, I'm still baffled by that because it is difficult to work every day and pay your bills and feel at peace enough mm-hmm. to put your money down to see somebody sing. I mean, so just, yeah, I'm, I'm very grateful and I, and I hope. I hope it comes through. I'm glad comes through. that, yeah, I'm glad that it, um, it, I'm glad I posted it and that, you know, it showed like, I really do care. And I, and it really does mean everything to me. Um, because without, without a wonderful audience, you, you have nothing, you just have yourself. <laughs> like, that's boring. <laughs> so, you know, you want, you want to entertain and, and love on people as much as you can. So thank you for sharing that. Oh, you're quite welcome. No, I just had it, it, that, when you were sharing and that moment came up in my mind and I'm like, Oh gosh, I remember that. Yeah. Well, as we finish up here, let us know what's, um, what's kind of in the future for you. I know that you're going to release more music. 
Is there something that's kind yes. of um, in the ember stage right now and it's kind of about to be a big fire uh, for you yeah. in a good way? <laughs> not, not a consuming kind of way, but in a, yes, in a yes. celebratory way. Or what, what's, yes. what's coming down the pike? Um, there are a couple things. I, I am hoping to go to a, an independent artist music conference and, and do some networking. Um, I, I pray that that, that comes to fruition it's a kind of a complicated uh, navigation but i am hoping for that that will be sometime in january so that would be great um i'm also working i'm actually revisiting an old song that was not originally supposed to be a single that i released a snippet of and got a, quite a reaction from and my team went hmm <laughs> maybe we should rethink this record um as like a single instead of a, a feature of something so uh-huh my producer and I are going back and revisiting that song and are hoping to be in the studio actually in a couple of weeks, God willing, uh, to record it before I go off to the conference the week after. Um, so we are working on that uh, currently. And then at the same time, throughout January is a busy month. Um, I, will, I will also be uh, engaged in a lot of interviews for school. Because I, yeah, because I applied to internship in a doctoral program. Your fifth year is internship. You work full time as a, like, you know, before your license psychologist to get like full time supervision, essentially. Uh Um, So I applied to 15 different sites and I received a good amount of interviews. Thank goodness. So I have a choice, which is nice. Yes, thank you. Um, yeah, that's been intense, but rewarding also in and of itself. So I will be doing interviews all throughout January. Some of the interviews are 45 minutes. Some of them are four hours. So I know. (laughs) So my January month is filled, uh, but I rather it filled with things that are going to propel me forward than sitting idle. So Mm -hmm. they're good things, you know, they're wonderful, good things. And I hope that I'll be able to release that single um, soon. Uh, I'm not going to say any dates yet because we have to get in there and record it. Um, but I'm hoping soon, I'm hoping soon in the top of 2023 and that I hope the interviews go well. And, and then we'll, you know, we'll figure out if we need a video or not, but if I can release a song at the top of the year, I've accomplished my goal for 2023 really. So <laughs> that would be wonderful. That's so far what I have scheduled. So January is packed. Sounds really packed. Well, I'm a firm believer yeah. in, um, if you, if you deliver goodness to the world, then it, it does come back to you in many different shapes and forms. And you're kind of the epitome of that. And uh, oh. so I, I think some of the hopes and dreams that you have lined up are going to, they'll, they'll manifest in a certain way. And uh, I'm looking forward to great things from you. Um, what's Thank the best you. way for people to reach you? If um, are you, do you find yourself more on Instagram? Do you post on Facebook a lot? Do you go through your website? Mm. How, do, how would you like, um, some maybe new fans or current fans to kind of interact with you? Yeah, um, I am everywhere. So um, <laughs> if you if you type in, I know I have a very long name, um, but if you type in Olympia and Papa G, so you don't have to put my whole last name because I know that's, that's a lot. Um, if you just put Olympia, P-A-P-A-G, Olympia, Papa G, you'll find literally everything. I am the most active on Instagram that seems to be the platform. I just, I think I just enjoy it a lot. Um, so mm-hmm. that is the platform that I primarily use, but I do post on TikTok. I do post on Facebook. I do have a website. If you do, um, if you type in Olympia, you will find my website where 
you'll find all my, all my, uh, you know, press and things I've been in and my music and, um, all kinds of, all kinds of things on there and events. I post events on there too. Um, so really anywhere you can absolutely message me and I will try my best to respond as quickly as I can. Um, but any artist out there who's listening, who needs any guidance of any kind, I mean, I, I, I will not hesitate to respond. It just might take me a second because it's cool, but I will respond to you and I will do whatever I can to assist. I mean, I have no problem with that. I have gotten so much help. I don't mind giving help. So anyone who wants advice or, or help or any kind of anything, um, they can message me anywhere or any fans, anybody who listens, they know that they can contact me at any time. So that's great. Yeah. And I can attest to that. You know, I've followed you for several years now and you're so good at replying to comments and uh, just acknowledging that people have reached out to you. So that again, part of your, your communication skills and, and, and making Thank yourself you. accessible. It's, it's perfect. Thank so you. I have had a great time talking to you. We've spoken for over an hour and 12 minutes. Oh my goodness. Can you believe it? Oh my it? God. <laughs> <laughs> Which is great. Wild. So oh my um, God. I can't wait to talk to you again soon. And uh, if yeah. you ever need anything, just let me know. And thanks again for being on living in the limelight and, uh, just best wishes for the future. And, uh, just, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Yeah, this is wonderful. I, I really appreciate this and I'm, I'm excited to hear the final version and to meet other people who are also on here. I've been listening, so I'm very excited. (laughs) Yes, I have been listening. So thank you so much for, for hosting this and creating this platform for artists. It's it's incredibly helpful. So it's, it was an honor. I'm so appreciative. Thank you. I am too. Excellent. Well, have a great evening and we'll talk soon. All right. Thank you so much. (laughs) Bye-bye. Okay. Bye.
with that crown.